In a stadium rich with tradition. We have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field, they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely playing at Camp Randall is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the Athletics' Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. And welcome to the Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin, joined by the Athletics' Jesse Temple. He's going to be with me. All season, Jesse, uh, we're at Big Ten Media Days. as the season, I don't know, doesn't officially get underway. We've still got a couple weeks before fall camp going. But we do get an opportunity to chat with uh, Paul Christ and uh, a whole bunch of other coaches uh, and, and players today. We'll get a chance to chat with uh, a few more Badgers uh, tomorrow. I had an opportunity to chat with Chris Orr and Tyler Biotich, and we'll hear those interviews coming up here in a little bit. Also talk with UW Athletic Director Barry Alvarez. A lot to get to, but uh, we'll start with here. And, Jesse, certainly appreciate you joining the show and, and, and joining the show throughout the year. Uh, we've had a great time doing the Swing Together, the Badger Basketball Podcast, and now we'll do the Football Podcast together. Yeah, I'm certainly excited to be a part of this, doing the camp and, and talking about football. Obviously, that's the majority of my full-time job, <laughs> so it, it's good to be doing this. Uh, and, and I know fans love listening to Matt Bernstein, and I, I won't have the same types of stories uh, as <laughs> he does, but hopefully I'll be able to pro- provide some insight into what's going on. Uh, with the Badgers as we get ready for the 2019 season. Yeah, so uh, definitely, again, I appreciate Matt and, and everything he did. And uh, we are changing the, the, the difference here. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit more analytical and a little bit more you know, uh, team-based. This podcast will be also starting a uh, – uh, it's not a new show, but it's a different show. The Wisconsin Football Roundtable is going to be airing Thursdays. We'll have a podcast version of it. Uh, John Stocko, Brady Ewan, and some other players are going to be joining me on a weekly basis. And I'll have more information as we get closer to that. That's going to be every Thursday, uh, starting with the first uh, right before the first home game or the first away game, first game of the year, uh, August 29th. And I'll have more information. I'll get more information on the podcast. But uh, keep an eye out for that as well. As for Big Ten Media Days, uh, we had the rare, rare opportunity to sit down uh, with Paul Christ in a situation where there were no cameras and no iPhones. Uh, it was just uh, people sitting around a table and talking. 40, what, close to 45 minutes, something like that. And I thought he was more open than he normally gets in those type of situations. And I thought several things stood out. There's some, some news stuff in terms of injuries. Uh, we we, we uh, saw Tyler Biotich. We saw uh, Cole Van Lannen, um, Jake Ferguson, and... Danny Davis, Kendrick Fryer. You had yeah. a lot of guys miss time in spring all, practice. Right. And Paul Christ uh, gave the update that all those guys are going to be full go and ready to go for fall camp, which is... And he, and he knocked on... Knocked on the table, a little knock on wood that uh, everyone stays healthy for the next two weeks, but that's got to be huge for them. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that that's critical at this time of year because you can't figure out who you're going to put on the field for the the first game of the season if they're not healthy enough, and and one of the names that he did mention was Christian Bell, and I think he's been a bit of a wild card here for a while. I, I feel like Badgers fans mostly know him because he was at Alabama and then he transferred here and you just assume you hear the words Alabama and he's, he's going to be a superstar and we've kind of been waiting on it he, he really hasn't played a whole bunch I think he's got like four tackles at Wisconsin something like that if I'm not mistaken and he didn't have an opportunity in spring practice to take that next step forward because he was hurt and so I think Paul feels like if he is healthy then he's got a shot I mean look there's a lot at outside linebacker that we don't know we know Zach Bond is the returning guy and there's a lot of other players that are trying to find time uh, in that rotation. So it is obviously very good news for the Badgers and, and fans that Paul expects all those guys coming back to play. He did mention there were a number of true freshmen that have been dealing with injuries. Um, I know that uh, Quan Easterling is, is one of them. I reported a couple weeks ago that, that uh, 
you know, he's got a, a leg injury, and there were three or four other guys as yeah. well. Yeah, Dean Engram, uh, the wide receiver, uh, James Williams, the D, uh, defensive back, and then Logan Brown, the big five-star offensive tackle. Um, I don't know. He, he said limit. Like, I don't know if he's saying limited or just won't be able to play. Yeah, he didn't specify, so I yeah. think we should clarify that. But he did mention those uh, incoming freshmen by name. So, right. obviously, when fall camp starts in early August and we have an opportunity to see what's going on, we'll be able to provide a little more clarity. Yeah, I mean, the, the one good news out of that in terms of the incoming freshman is Julius Davis, the running back, who had surgery uh, in February, uh, January or February. And, uh, it was a sports hernia. He had sports a sports hernia, hernia injury. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. the Corey Clement injury, if you're, you're trying to place it, though I guess Corey had two, he is healthy enough and is going to be able to take part in, in, in fall camp. And he's one of those guys that potentially you look at maybe has an opportunity to contribute at some point in, in the year. Uh, the other news, I think, was Bradrick Shaw as well. In terms of Paul being, I don't know, I don't know if the word's excited. I would probably rarely use that word with Paul Chris, but um, anxious to see what he can get because he likes Bradrick so much, and because when healthy, he played pretty well. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. And, and when we met with Paul, just the way that he talked about Bradrick, that it means a lot to Bradrick. Obviously, he's been through a lot. He tore the ACL in November 2017 against Minnesota. Obviously, didn't play last season, and Paul wants to see the kids that put in the time be rewarded for their effort. But it's easy to forget, two years ago, he was the opening day starter, and then he got hurt, and then Jonathan Taylor obviously started week two, ran for 223 yards and three touchdowns against Florida Atlantic, and that was that. But I think he can provide a lot in terms of carries, career-wise. He's got the most on the team outside of Jonathan Taylor. He's got more carries in his career than even Garrett Groshek has. So, yeah, Paul mentioned him. He, He mentioned Nakia Watson. And Julius Davis, I'm certainly curious to see what happens with him because, as you mentioned, he, he underwent that sports hernia surgery, I think it was on Valentine's Day, and I talked to him this summer, and he continues to rehab and fully expected to be ready by the time fall camp started. That dude is really special. He didn't get a chance to show it his senior year other than the first two games. Where he tore it up. It was un- I mean, he probably would have set the state record for rushing uh, just based on what he did in those first two games, and obviously he was amazing as a junior. Yeah. Wisconsin can go anywhere generally to get running backs they don't often do it in the state although now they've done it with 2021 with jackson acre but i think that he's got a chance to be special so it's a good running back group but the question is who's going to be that second guy yeah that was uh, that's that was certainly and then obviously the, the question outside of the injuries the question that uh, i don't really, i wouldn't even say dominate the conversation it was only like a very small part of the conversation i'm not sure how much he really wanted to talk about it but it's the quarterbacks and the the two things that stood out obviously at least for me was Jack Cohn and what Paul said about the players around him. Like he said, Jack Cohn, like his, his his approach to it has not changed. His mood hasn't changed. His personality hasn't changed. He's the same guy he always is. But how the people look at him around him, how they look at him, has changed. And because of what he did at the end of last year and how he finished the year, that stood out to them. I think we got that sense even in spring practice when we talked to the quarterbacks on the quarterback day when all four of them got to talk when we talked to John Budmeyer and they're all good eggs. <laughs> All good eggs, yeah. That was the that was the going line there that day. But just the fact that I think it makes a big difference, and maybe this is obvious, but he's the leader of that group. By it's, I'm, he's the de facto De-default. leader. He's, he's played more than anybody else in the quarterback room. It may not be a ton. But he played in five games last year. He got four starts. They were all in, in pretty difficult circumstances. And I think now that it's it w- when it was spring ball, they were looking to him for leadership. So I think that automatically gave him more confidence. And you can see that a little bit just when someone has a question, they're going to come to him. You know, Alex Honeybrook is no longer on the roster, and so Jack is the oldest guy there. And I think that does make a difference. Now, will that be the deciding factor in who starts against South Florida? I don't know, but I think it certainly helps. 
And the obviously the other there's two other guys other than uh, there's three other guys I should say other than uh, Jack Cohn. Obviously Graham Mertz is one of them, Danny Vandenboom the other, and Chase Wolf. Uh, there weren't any questions about Chase Wolf or Danny Vandenboom, though you, you just never know. Uh, the other question is Graham Mertz, and he talked about how much he likes him because he's a worker and he spends time in it, and how this will be the the, the first five days of camp are going to be about the installation phase, and. This will be a review as opposed to new for Graham Mertz. And so it, he kind of uh, brought up Russell Wilson and having to learn the offense and you know, all the language. You don't want to be you don't want to look like an idiot in front of your in front of your teammates. And so that's not he's not saying that's what Graham was doing in the spring, but it's different now. And you know the calls and then you can it's you just feel more comfortable and you can go out and play. I also felt it was interesting he mentioned a couple of throws where it looked like that's why we recruited him. It wasn't like he brought that up unprompted. I mean, I sort of specifically asked him, like, obviously, Graham has gotten as much coverage and recognition as any recruit I've certainly ever seen at Wisconsin, maybe ever in the history. I don't think that's hyperbole. I mean, it's it's different from the Russell Wilson situation. Like, obviously, Russell was the the best free agent that anyone's seen at Wisconsin on the football side, but he came late, you know, and he wasn't a high school recruit. And it was a month. It was like a month worth of hype, and it was before – is it's still in the early stages of Twitter, and like there wasn't nearly as much as it is. I mean, Graham, this has been two years. Yeah, but I, so I'm, I way. specifically, well, I specifically asked Paul when you were watching him in the spring because obviously he's gotten as much hype as anybody ever. Were there times when you had that thought, like why, kind of that wow moment? And I mean, it was a short answer, but there's certainly, I, I. He knows he's got something special with Graham. I mean, I think we've all seen it so far. It's just a matter of how quickly will that develop from the potential to putting it into action. But I did. Th- I think you're right. It was a little bit telling when he he referenced that and said that kind of if you if you put this all together, what it could be. But that that doesn't mean anything for where we're at right now. Right. And and where you know Jack Cohn could be when the season opener starts. He was. I mean, I, he. I don't want to say he let it let, let anything slip, but he did say. You come out of spring and you've got an idea, but you've got to look for confirmation of it in terms of what the quarterbacks are capable of and what those first five days are. And then the two weeks after that where you have to start managing the reps and and that type of stuff. I don't like I was expecting to have more of an idea after the first practice. I don't think we'll have that. No, I don't either. But eventually, and I don't know how many practices we'll have an opportunity as media members to watch, but generally the first two weeks or so, we get a pretty good idea of where things stand. They can't have all four quarterbacks rotating snaps in the way that they did in spring, obviously. And they're going to have to make a decision at some point, I'd imagine at least two weeks out, on when they name a starter, even if they don't tell us. But will Graham get cut into some of those opportunities? I mean, every time Jack was on the field in the spring, he was taking the first-team reps, and rightfully so. I, you know, I, I can't argue with, with that because it allowed the other three guys to work in pretty evenly in a relatively stress-free environment where it was like, okay, we can try something. If it doesn't work, it's no big deal because it's spring practice. Well, that's not really what happens in fall camp. If you start making mistakes repeatedly, you're not going to give yourself an opportunity. And so I don't know how long it's going to take, but it it certainly will be very telling the first couple weeks in terms of what the staff decides to do. Anything else that uh, that stood out to you at all? I mean, obviously, we, we kind of went position by position. Every we, we got an update on pretty much every position. You know, the defense line, Garrett Rand is healthy and ready to go. I probably should, we probably should have mentioned him. Or I should have <laughs> mentioned him uh, when, when talking about that. So he's ready to go. Uh, Isaiah uh, Loudermilk also, you know, after having – he was felt like he was never healthy pretty much all last year. Uh, it did sound, at least to me, 
that I think a lot of us, we have questions about the outside linebackers. I think he has some questions about the outside linebackers as well. And, you know, who's going to be that guy? And can Zach Bond be the guy that they want him to be? And can he be the guy that they think he can be? Um, I thought it was interesting when he was talking about the cornerbacks, he was asking about the cornerbacks. I mean, look, there's five or six guys that got their first college start last season, and they're all back. And not all of them are going to be able to play, and all of them think that they should be playing. And, uh, you know, Paul's response essentially was, don't put yourself in a position to not be playing and be upset about your playing time. Like, go out there and be good enough to actually play. What did you think he meant by we didn't manage that very well? Last yes, year? Yes, last season. And, and how and – because how, he was asked about how, you know, managing like the four games uh, in, in terms of true freshmen. But it, it kind of bled over into the cornerback conversation, and we didn't handle that very well. Well, look, there's the NCAA rule that was implemented for, for last season that you could play in up to four games. And, I mean, I'm thinking from the cornerback perspective, like Dante Burton only played in four, so he's still uh, going to be a redshirt freshman. But from the quarterback side, I mean, Jack Cohn, the, the plan was for him to redshirt, and that's not what happened. But I think there were some circumstances that led to that, obviously, with the injury. But he wound up right. playing in five games, so he's a junior now instead of a redshirt sophomore. And honestly, I think at this point in his career – I don't necessarily see a scenario where he's going to take a redshirt season here unless somebody else no. vaults into the starting role. And, or unless he gets you know, hurt. He, if he gets hurt, hypothetically. So that's well, the, to me, that's the most obvious scenario, right? But w- the alternative is what? You know, are you, Were you going to start Danny Vandenboom or, or play him in some of these really critical games when Jack was your second-best quarterback on the roster? And no, uh, Maybe not. even the best at some times. Yeah, no, again, I, I was referencing the cornerbacks uh just in terms of how they throwing guys in there and, and you, you want them to be ready you don't want to just throw guys in just because you have four games to throw them in and you're not going to lose a retro year and i don't know who i don't know why what he means by that well there's not that many to, to choose from i mean alex smith re- retained his retro rashad wild goose is a guy that they initially he didn't he didn't play i i'm sure i've mentioned this before but one of the first games last year there was an injury, and Jim Leonard is looking around on the sideline. He needs a cornerback to go in, and he sees Rashad, and he tells him to go in, and he realizes, oh, no, like That's I don't want to waste game. one of these games on a play. He, pull, he literally pulled him off the field, yep. um, and then ultimately wound up playing in 10 games, and I think he started seven. A couple were at the, the nickel spot, but he far exceeded the four-game threshold, so I'm yeah. not sure exactly yeah. you know, what, what he would have meant by that. Yeah. Uh, I t- in, again, uh, I had an opportunity to chat with Chris Orr, and I asked him, like, you know, who's the one guy that – is there a young guy that, that we're not talking about that stood out to you this summer? And he mentioned Rashad Wild Goose. And it was like he's changed so much from when he came on his recruiting visit. He's, he's like he was a crazy little kid, you know, on his recruiting visit. And then he comes, and he's still kind of a little, crazy little kid last year. And then this summer, and, like, you know, he's changed. He's a different guy. He's more mature. He's taking it more serious. And he's locked in. And, like, he is expecting big things out of him. And, and I wonder if some of that change is a result of him having to be a second teamer pretty much all spring. I did think that was one of the surprises of the spring. And here's a guy who started a lot of games as a true freshman last year, and almost exclusively he was working with the second team defense. Now they've got four corners that they could start because they all started, but that was a bit of a surprise. So if Chris, if that is in fact correct, and we'll probably see that manifest itself in fall camp, but that's interesting. Rashad was a really late find for Wisconsin because he'd been previously committed to Georgia, and he didn't commit until the signing day on yeah. in February. So yeah. it's just kind of funny how that all works out. And he wound up being one of the true freshmen who contributed significantly. So offensive line, Logan Bruss sounds like he's going to be the right tackle. Uh, he's going to start. He's going to start at, at tackle. 
obviously I would assume right tackle. You can't put him at left tackle. Not with Cole Van, Van Lannan. Yeah, and, and Tyler Biatch is your uh, center. Who are the guards? Is it? That's a big question. Seltzner, uh, Lyles. Um, David Mormon and David Jason Mormon Erdman. It's, it, Jason Erdman. I, I look at it, I've said that since the spring. I mean, there's four guys for two spots essentially, and I know that when we talked to Joe Rudolph in the spring, he said that, of all the linemen, he felt like David Mormon was performing the best at that time. He said he was working his butt off to try and earn one of those spots. Now, whether that's a motivational ploy or whether he thinks he's going to lock up one of those spots, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he worked at every position during spring. Like yeah. Every position, left like left to right. And I, I can see any number of scenarios. I think that's part of the beauty of, of Wisconsin's offensive line is Joe Rudolph cross-trains these guys at multiple positions to make sure they're ready, but... I feel like even though this group doesn't have as much attention as last year's did, they're not on a Sports Illustrated cover. There's a lot of really good players there. It's just that people outside of Wisconsin or probably just outside of Wisconsin don't know much about a lot of these guys. I was going to say outside of the Big Ten, but even people right. in the Big Ten don't know much about about these guys. But you've got, you've got Mormon and Urban guys who have combined to appear in 80-plus games. They just haven't started a bunch. You know, Mormon uh, or Urban started once in that jumbo package. So I think... I think there's a lot of talent on the offensive line, and I think it could be a couple different scenarios with the guards. I mean, Caden Lyles, as we know, they've, they've loved him since he came here, but he had to go to the defensive line because of a depth shortage last year. I certainly think he's capable of starting. So. And, and spent pretty much the entire spring at center with, with Beata Chow. Right. So uh, they, they have options. And look, and I was, again, had an opportunity to talk with Tyler, and, and I asked him, like, it's nice to have five, but in the Big Ten, you're going to need six, seven, eight. And so that, that – is also the important thing, and who are the young guys that are going to be stepping up and being a part of that, and whether it's Tyler Beach, Josh Seltzner, they liked him last year. He There was a time during fall camp last year that he was like the number one right guard because they had injuries all over the place, but um, they have options there. I think they've got a pretty clear top eight. I, I felt that way in the spring, even though obviously Cole and Tyler didn't participate because they were recovering from injuries. There was a top eight, and then there was everyone else, and I, I think that's probably what we'll see when fall camp starts. Um, obviously, they've got two freshmen coming in and, and some other guys that are on scholarship. But to me, that's where I see if you've got guys that you said, okay, the, the game is tomorrow. These are the guys we're going to go with. That would be the top eight. It would be the all the guys we've mentioned and, and Beach as well. Yeah. Middle line, uh, inside linebacker, uh, Chris Orr. I thought it was kind of funny. He joked about Chris Orr and, you know, the guys that are down here at, in Chicago, Jonathan Taylor, Tyler Biotic, and, and Chris Orr. And Chris joked that. Chris would have been here anyways. Uh, he would have just showed up. He would have been the fourth guy. Even if they, you know, even if they didn't bring him, he would have showed up. Um, he's just that kind of personality. He's that type of guy, and he's that type of leader. And it's a different. He he could now be that guy because he is no longer behind the T.J. Edwards and Ryan Connolly. He can be a leader and a vocal leader that we've seen at times in his career. He's been that that guy. He's been a vocal guy, but it wasn't really his place last year to do it because he wasn't getting any playing time. Now he's the guy. Yeah, it was a weird spot for him to be in last year because this is a guy who a few years ago was a starter as an underclassman, and yet last year T.J. Edwards and Ryan Connolly were frankly too good to take off the field. They were 1-2 in tackles in each of the last two seasons, and so it sort of left Chris as the odd man out. But he's he's got the perfect personality to be a leader. He's not just somebody who talks a lot of smack or talks to guys. That's part of it, but he's a really good player. I think he started 16 career games. He's appeared in 36 games, and so it's someone that – people look up to he's been through a lot with the torn ACL so he's a fifth year senior and he's gonna have to be the leader of the group because there's a lot of young guys there but he also embraces that and he's looking forward to that experience and opportunity he's one of those guys that I feel like he just showed up like I mean like it feels like his his, his, but he's been through so much you know the the injuries um, 
I mean, he graduated in three and a half years. He wants to be an athletic director. He has conversations with Barry Alvarez and Chris McIntosh about being an athletic director. Um, but I think the one thing that people will notice, and I noticed it just in, in looking at him, he's he's toned up. Like he's, he, I felt like he was always a little bit bigger, a, bit, a bigger guy. He's toned up, and he said, like he catches himself being a lot faster. Like he doesn't even realize it. Like he's stronger. And all of a sudden, he, he gets to places quicker than he has in the past. And I think that that's a year, another year removed from the ACL. And it's, he said he'd uh, change his diet. Instead of like when you're going to a fast food, if you're going to get fast food, instead of getting the burger, you, get, you try and find something on that menu that is somewhat healthier. So Get the grilled chicken. Yeah, yeah. Cut, and, cut down on the calories and the fat and carbs. Right. So all those, all those things have led to, to, I think, what could potentially be a big senior year for him. Um, we lost 15 pounds. We talked to him in the spring. I mean, he, he dropped a lot of weight, and he could, it's noticeable. Yeah, he was at, uh, he's at 222 now, is what he said. Uh, he was listed at 214 in the spring, so he's a little bit – but he says you can tell the f- speed is there uh, that, that perhaps maybe wasn't there in, in the past. And fullback, two fullbacks, Mason Stocky and, and John Chanel, both uh, healthy. And uh, it sounded like Chris thinks that they could have a not, – not just a role, but a significant role. An important role. I don't know the exact word he used in, in talking about those two guys. And then, of course, Jonathan Taylor. What? Oh, yeah. We haven't oh, yeah. talked about him yet. You wrote a, a long story about him and also, we, you know, the Q&A, obviously, with, with John Settle about him. What was your biggest takeaway out of that 10,000-word masterpiece? Hey, plus, it's only about 4,400 words. Uh, what, what was your biggest takeaway out of those, uh, out of that? I just think how motivated he is to be even better than he is, and it's natural because he's a junior. And, look, this is it for him. This is his last year at Wisconsin if he could stay healthy. And I specifically asked his dad that question, like, do you, are you go into this thinking this is going to be your last year? And he's like, yes, if, if he stays healthy. I mean, it's obvious. This is like Melvin. He's already talked. Yeah, it is just like the Melvin Gordon situation. I mean, his dad's already talking to agents. He said he'd sat down with seven or eight. He's trying to find someone who will be the right fit, build up a rapport with Jonathan. But in terms of on the field, it's just the things that he's trying to do to be better. I mean, he he is statistically the best running back in the country. He's it's not even close in the first two years. Like he's over, he's got forty one hundred seventy one yards or something like that through two years. Only two other guys have had thirty five hundred yards through their their first two years, and it was Ron Dane and um, Herschel Walker. Walker, two guys in the College Football Hall of Fame. So, but it's the it's the third down and the pass protection and, and the pass catching. It's all the stuff we talked about last year. We made a lot out of that. He spent the first 30 minutes of every spring practice in 2018 working one-on-one with Paul Christ on running routes, on getting in and out of his breaks and things like that. Well, then he caught eight passes. But when I was talking to John Settle, he said last year was still more of a learning opportunity for Jonathan. Like That was really kind of the first year that that was something he had to consider. And now it's putting it into action. And look, this is probably a bit of hyperbole, but, but John Settle told me that he thinks – they can get 50 pass receptions out of Jonathan Taylor. Now, is that accurate? I find it hard to believe that he'll make the jump from 8 to 50, but they want to take away some of his carries because he led the country with 307 rushing attempts last year. So even if it's like 25, like 20 to 25 pass catches or something like that, that takes away from some of those carries between the tackles. And Settle really believes that Taylor has all the attributes, like he's got the speed. If he gets one-on-one with a linebacker or something like that, or if he can catch the ball in space, that it's going to be all over. Now, Settle's going to talk positively about his running backs, but I think that's it. And then the leadership component. That was another another thing with this story. Like, 
he's a quiet guy. He's, he's, we've talked about how humble he is. That's just kind of his general disposition. But I think you can be humble, and you can also realize, I think kind of as the headline in the story is, you're the baddest dude in the country. Like, you can carry yourself with a certain swagger that it's okay to be humble, but when you take the field, you want to destroy everyone, and you want your teammates to listen to you. You want to be a little more talkative because they look at you and see how good you are. When Melvin Gordon graduated, I, I said at the time, and I thought at the time, that we had already seen the best Wisconsin running back of all time. I'm like, there's not going to be any better than Melvin Gordon. Is Jonathan Taylor better than Melvin Gordon at this point? That's a, that's a really difficult question because Melvin's redshirt junior season is the best single year I've ever seen. Yes. And I don't – I mean, even if Jonathan runs for 2,000 yards again, I don't know that it'll be better as a single year than what Melvin did. But the totality of the career, it's, it's astronomical. Of course. I'm talking about player. I'm talking about runner. I'm talking about him as a player. Is Melvin, has Jonathan bypassed Melvin? Because, he, I mean, Melvin didn't become the, the dual threat that he is now in the NFL until he got to the NFL. Like, yeah. we, we talked, the same conversations we're having about him, about Jonathan Taylor, about being a third down back. We had about Melvin. We had about Corey. You know, like... Those were conversations we had about those guys as well at the same time, and they both turned into really good pass catchers in the NFL. But as players right now, um, Melvin was special, and he and he is. But Jonathan has everything. Like yeah. there's there's nothing that he can't do physically. There, like Melvin's not that much better than him in anything, and Jonathan is. A better, you know, he's got better speed than Melvin did, top end speed than Melvin did, um, and he runs through tackles like Melvin does. Like it's, and he see, and I think he's, I think he's got better vision than Melvin did, at least at this point. You might be right. It's 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 hard right now to say. Like it'll be much easier after the season to probably talk about that. But I mean, I was talking to a lot of the opposing coaches and players today at Big Ten Media Days about Jonathan and and kind of what makes him special. And you hear words like he's deceptively fast. Like you think he's a guy who's just a truckload and he's going to knock you over and break tackles. But then he gets into the secondary and it's like nobody can catch him. And, and that's very special. And, and P.J. Fleck, you know, say, say what you want about him if you're a Badgers fan, but he gives really good answers. <laughs> and I thought that he had a really good one when I asked him about Taylor and some of the things that, that really make him special. And he talked about his ability to break tackles. He said it's the difference between, like, if it's third and four, you get one yard and you punt. But with him... He's knocking dudes over, and you get the first down, and you don't punt, and you move the chains, and you completely demoralize the other team. And, yeah, I guess we've seen some of those things with other running backs, but as you said, it really does seem to be the complete package. And one thing that I'll say in addition to that is you talked about Melvin Gordon and Corey Clement and how they become really good pass catchers in the NFL. That's something that Jonathan is studying a whole bunch. And when I, when I talked to Settle, I thought this was kind of interesting. On the wall, on the big screen TV in his office, he had paused uh, a Melvin Gordon highlight completely unrelated to the fact that I was interviewing like he had been watching it before and I asked him if he could take me through the play uh, and it was a six yard touchdown catch that Melvin made that's the kind of stuff that Settle is showing him he's showing him Melvin he's showing him James White and Corey Clement because like there's no better people to watch than the guys who have sat in your seat before and I certainly think that Jonathan is going to be that next great back and and assuming he stays healthy is going to have a fantastic NFL career yeah and Jonathan uh, went out and worked worked out with uh, Melvin Gordon and James White Along with Garrett Groshek and uh, some other former Badgers down in Florida, so it's he got he got an up close and personal view of of their work as well. So Jesse, thank you. Thanks, Zach. Looking forward to a great season.
And we do bring on Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez here on the camp. Barry, how's it going? Good. Good. Uh, you're going to be uh, taking part in the Big Ten Luncheon uh, on Friday uh, with Tom Osborne. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the Big Ten asked if Tom and I would come on and, and do an interview and in honor of 150 years of, of uh, college football, and we're both anxious to do it. Um, so Jim Delaney, his final Big Ten media days, his final Big Ten year is going to uh, be giving it over uh, on January 1st, I believe. What do you think his legacy is as the Big Ten commissioner? Well, major changes um, in being, being a forward thinker. Um, you, you think about the things that he's done, been involved with, um, with you know taking the, the conference through expansion uh, and making the right choices in those teams. Uh, t- taking uh, a TV contract to where it is today, and what you know, much better. He and he, Jim, negotiated that himself, but also set up things that we all agreed to that made our inventory much more valuable. Uh, all those things. Plus, I think what, what he's done as far as pulling the coaches together and athletic directors together, we would get together and make this tough decisions. When it's not in everybody's favor, and that's it's very difficult to get a group who are all competing against one another um, to get them to pull together and do that. Jim was able to um, build that type of relationship and trust where we all try to do what's best for the league rather than individual schools, and that's very difficult to do. So um, a lot of things that he's done, our, our league is much, much better today than it was 30 years ago when he when he stepped in. and. Hopefully we can continue to do that, continue to improve. Your impression of the new commissioner, Kevin Warren? I really don't know Kevin. Um, you know, heard good things about him. I was impressed with his with his uh, press conference and interview. Talked to him afterwards. He called me after his press conference. But uh, things I've heard, uh, it's been impressive. He's done some impressive things, but I, I don't know much about him. What kind of feedback have you gotten about uh, the new with the Fox contract and? pushing a lot of those games into that early window, and at least in Wisconsin, that 11 a.m. start. Uh, We've seen the Michigan game already being uh, for an 11 a.m. start. What is your take on that? you know, we've played a lot of games at 11 o'clock. Right. They haven't been the primetime games. You know, the prime that that Fox is going to – has come up with a plan, and that's their primetime game is 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 at 11 o'clock, and they're playing off of their their studio show, which that's that's up to them. But, um, you know – Coaches like to play 11 o'clock. That gives them the rest of the day. They get home. They get a chance to watch other people play. Um, so, um, you know, I have no problem with that. Does it limit the – We this is a completely different topic, obviously, but does it limit the atmosphere, do you think, in places like Wisconsin where the 11 o'clock game – people aren't always in their seats at 11 o'clock. And they're not always in their seats they're at not 7 all, o'clock either. That's but, right. But you, so. know, but, but you know what I'm saying. Like, in terms of um, – you know, just in terms of – the number of people in the, in the environment, it's much better at 7 than it is at 11. I'd like to play every game at home at night. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> but I don't have a problem with 11 o'clock game. I know Paul likes 11 o'clock games. Sure, sure. Uh, speaking of the team this year, um, they're going to have a quarterback decision to make, certainly uh, in, in fall camp it would seem. Um, the last time a true freshman – do you remember the last time a true freshman quarterback started at Wisconsin? I don't. Jay Macias. Uh, wow. It would have been 91, so it would have been your second yeah. your second year. What does it take to, to, to throw a guy in there in, uh, and potentially right away? Well, in Jay Macias' case, uh, it's because there was no one else to throw in there. <laughs> but, um, you know, today, 
some of those the quarterbacks, um, Graham being one of them, are exposed to so much. They're going to camps. They're going. They're being compared and compete against the top quarterbacks in the country. In the country, you saw a true freshman win the national championship last year, beat a kid out who was the number one quarterback coming out the year before. Yeah. You know, so they're they're more prepared now. You know, they they come out of areas where they're exposed more. They do things nationally. They play in national games. Then they come on campus. Uh, a lot of it depends on now how fast they pick things up and how fast they can slow the game down. And I'm, I was just gl- glad that he, he, our guy got there this spring and, and had spring ball, now summer. Hopefully when two days start, things will really slow down for him. And Jack Cohn should, yeah. should improve greatly. Do you, do you have to have somebody in place Sooner rather than later. I mean, I mean, or you just let it play out, and, and uh, you, whatever you, happens, you, happens. You let it play out. You let it play out. You, you know, if somebody's head and shoulders above, they're the ones that get the number one, number one, uh, most reps. Uh, if if it's close, you split the reps. You let them, you let them know that both are going to play in the game. Whoever has a hot hand is going to go 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 more, and you hope somebody takes the job. You've coached the best running backs that this school has ever seen all the way back you know going back uh, to Brent Moss and Terrell Fletcher and Ron Dane and you know on and on Anthony Davis and and now Jonathan Taylor uh, I mean you even had an opportunity to coach Melvin for the one game two games I guess with the Rose Bowl and uh, and the Outback Bowl when you look at what Jonathan has done these first two years can you put it in perspective of what he's been able to do yeah I thought last year you know you, you always worry about a sophomore slump but uh, he's just been so mature since he's been there and He's got the best attributes of all the guys that we've had. Tremendous speed, which uh, he's really, he's deceiving when he runs. He doesn't look like he's going that fast, but he's got sprinter speed. He's very strong. He runs through things. He's patient, so he sees holes, and he's able to accelerate. um, And tremendous vision. So he's he's the full package. He catches out of the backfield. He can do a lot of things, and I think he'll end up, you know, being a much better leader. Um, So... You know, he's as good as they, as, as they come. When you look at the defense, uh, when you lose as many guys as you have in the NFL, especially at the outside linebacker spot, you're going to have a drop-off. It, we, we saw that last year with so many young guys. Are, are you confident there's going to be a bounce back, whether it's uh, getting, you know, Garrett Rand back into the defensive line or, you know, maybe being a little bit more uh, experienced on the outside, cornerback, and safety? Yeah, I think, you know, you look at – I think we, ha- we should, should be healthy and have a little more depth in the D-line. You, you were, we were forced to play some true freshmen last year in the secondary. Guys probably weren't quite ready. And, um, you know, they should they should be much improved. They should be stronger. They should understand the game better. Um, should be more physical. So I, I look for a big jump in the secondary. Uh, I think we have some good potential at linebacker. Uh, you you want to be able to come off that come off the edge. And we've got some guys that have been redshirted, haven't been on the field much, but have have the ability to be good players. Uh, just wanted to go back to the, uh, the college football playoff and, and talk about uh, Jim Delaney, who, who, who has been upset, and I'm sure you have been as well, in terms of not getting a, a Big Ten team here in the last three years, despite the talent that, that is there. I think we've talked about it before, but I just, just to reiterate, are you in favor at some point of getting this thing expanded so that you can get all five conference champions into this thing and maybe three at-larges, or, or maybe it's five and one? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I was an advocate of four. Um, I think four is better than the you know two team 
one-game championship. Yeah. Four really helped college football. Um, but, you know, I know the criteria. I was on that committee. I know what the criteria is. And, I, and, and our whole scheduling process in the Big Ten had to do with putting people in, in, in the playoff. And strength of schedule is supposed to be one of the primary things. And, and I see uh, conferences not playing nine games not, and playing FCS schools. Um, and and it's, it's not right. And, and we're doing all the right things. We're playing nine conference, which is much more difficult. Even if the team is a 500 team, a conference game is much more difficult than even, if, you know, the record may be deceiving. It's going to, in our league, it's going to be a physical game. Right. So you play nine of those. You don't play any FCS. And then you don't, it doesn't seem like we get any credit for that. And that, that disappoints me for us to go a couple, a couple years without having a representative in, 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 the, in the championship. Uh, I just that that just soured me and uh, feel as though that we should have the opportunity and and there's a way to go to eight um, and so I, I'm you know I changed I flipped I changed I think eight, eight that we could work it and make eight be better than four. Uh, the NCAA uh, and uh, the powers that be are focused on potentially um, figuring out a way to compensate athletes. Uh, it feels like it's going in that direction. Uh, whether it's them being able to make money off their likeness or whatever it is. What is your position on that, and do you think at some point that will be in... in Name, image, and likeness? Um, You know, if we can come up with some type of formula where that that enables someone to benefit from uh, the name, image, and likeness, whether you use their likeness on a video game or uh, sponsorship or, or whatever it may be as they graduate, they get a check, and I, th- I think I read something today. A lawsuit just approved that. So okay, uh, that, I just read that. I, you know, it was, it was quick as as I was driving, um, but I, I'm for anything we can do for the athletes. I just don't want to turn it into professional athletics where you're you're buying players. Just you know, who pays the most gets the player. I don't, you know, I, I think right now if if people knew what a student athlete gets, full cost. You know, first of all, that the scholarship is very valuable. Yeah. And full cost of attendance, they're getting additional spending money. If they're at, you know, if, if they're someone that's need-based, they pick up, you know, they have a chance to pick up another $9,500 a year. That's all tax-free. And, um, you know, so they, they can live pretty well. You have to learn how to balance your money, balance your checkbook, and have, <laughs> have a budget. You just can't throw it around and live in a, you know, overly expensive condo and drive a big car. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's certainly, uh, we, we, it's, it's much better than it was in the past. And I think we can continue to get better. Sure. Uh, one final question. Uh, the Big Ten West, uh, that we saw the poll come out from Cleveland.com about uh, uh, the favorites in the West, Nebraska, your alma mater, is number one, Iowa, number two, and Wisconsin, number three. And then there was, I think, two other teams, Minnesota, and Northwestern also received first-place votes. Is it as wide open as, as you can remember? Well, it sure seems that way. You know, uh, Nebraska's gotten a lot better since the end of last season, apparently. <laughs> 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 and Northwestern. Yeah. Hey, how could you not have them be one of the top three teams? They just won our division. Right. You know, so uh, I, I don't. we don't take too much of that. I'd, I'd just soon be picked third or fourth or fifth. Then have my guys' pictures on the cover of Sports Illustrated. 
there will yes, there will not be uh, the offensive line will not be showing up on the front of uh, Sports uh-huh. Illustrated this year, and I think. Paul probably is okay with that. I think Paul is very happy about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Barry Albers, the athletic director at the University of Wisconsin. Thank you very much. Okay. We do bring in Chris Ory, Wisconsin linebacker, the senior. Uh, Chris, how's it going? It's going great. It's going great. Um, so expectations this season, slightly different, at least outside, mm-hmm. than they were at this time a year ago. This time a year ago, your offensive line was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. You guys were all picked to, to win the West. They were picking a lot of them picking guys to win the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. You picked third in the West. No one, you're not going to see Tyler's face on, on the front of Sports Illustrated this time mm-hmm. this time around. Is it? Does this feel a little bit like 2016 where, the, where expectations are lower? And Are you are you happy with that? Are you, are you like being that underdog? Um... I mean, we don't we don't really pay too much attention to the outside noise. Um, even going into last year, we tried not to pay that much attention to it. But I definitely enjoy being the underdog for sure. Um, I think it gives you some more hunger that you probably didn't think that you had deep down inside. Because you know, I'd be lying if I said you didn't hear, you know, the rumblings or if you didn't see the articles. Like I'd be lying if I said that. But it, it definitely feeds you for sure. The other thing that happened in 2016, obviously, was the knee injury at mm-hmm. Lambeau Field. I'm wondering, what did you lose at Lambeau that day that maybe you haven't gotten back? And, and what have you gained that you didn't have then, you think? Um, whether it's whether it's physical, ooh, a good question. physical, mental? Yeah. I guess what I say, if I lost, I don't know, just, I guess time would be the thing that I lost. But I gained a lot of football knowledge that I probably wouldn't have had without that season. And I probably wouldn't be the player that I am now without that season, to be honest. So definitely gained a lot of knowledge, you know, just on just football, not even just our scheme, but, you know, other offenses, other defenses, how the Big Ten operates, what wins games in the Big Ten, and what our coaches like to do. You know, Leonard wasn't the D.C. at that time, but, you know, it's kind of a smooth transition between him and Coach Wilcox. So I definitely learned a lot of football knowledge that year. Did you, as a as a player, also gain an appreciation for the game of football and, and having it taken away from you oh, and yeah. then to, to, to grab it back. And I'm assuming that's the case for sure. Oh, yeah, so I think for sure. I'm, I'm sure we've had the conversation before, but oh, yeah. it probably meant a lot. Yeah, yeah, it means a lot. Um, you start to appreciate everything a lot more. You know, the dreadful days and summer workouts, the dreadful spring practices or a day that you get up in the mor- early in the morning, you wish you could have step- uh, slept some more. Uh, you definitely appreciate all that some more. I even appreciate just walking and running around more because right. this is a point in time where I couldn't walk at all. So yeah. definitely appreciate everything a lot more. Now, you, you started games in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't get, for you know, and Ryan Connolly and TJR is pretty, pretty good players. You didn't get mm-hmm. as much time as you probably wanted last year. Mm-hmm. What did you do this winter, spring, summer to put yourself in a position that you are, obviously, as a leader on defense and a starter? What went into this offseason and what went into your planning? Um, a lot of, I got real strict on my diet. I wanted to really take care of my body. That was like the main thing for me. What'd you do? Um, just what's, what's strict? Like, you, like you fasting, uh, just kinds of foods. What is it? Uh, more so kinds of foods, kinds of foods. Uh, try to get rid of some like cravings that you might've had. Like oh, it's I, easy to go. Look run. at me. I, I, I know cravings, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's easy to go like run and get a burger or something like that, but you know, try your best just even with those little decisions you find yourself in a situation that you have to eat fast food you know looking at that menu and trying to find something like maybe an egg white sandwich right instead of getting this sausage egg and tea mcmuffin or something like that yeah. so um i would say more so yeah the kinds of foods kind of the 
like a routine, a timing of when I eat. So, are you do you weigh less? I mean, are, you were listed like two fourteen last year. I'm, I'm assuming you got to be right around there, right? No, 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 no. I'm more than that now. I'm about two twenty two now. Okay, and so yeah. you feel good about? Oh yeah, yeah. I feel is? great. I feel great about it because I feel like, you know, you're you're not six three. You know, mm-hmm. you're, but so, you, but you look slimmer mm-hmm. than you did last year. Right. Did, would, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. What will how will that help you? On the field, I'm gonna help me with speed. First of all, speed, explosiveness, and uh, flexibility. But um, you know, I also got like way stronger yeah. than than I've ever been. You know, no matter how much I weighed, I've, I'm this is strongest I've ever been. So I definitely feel confident in my strength. And then I guess just adding like I guess another tool to my box. You know, with some speed. You know, sometimes I shock myself. You know, <laughs> even in workouts or in spring practice, I was shocking myself and kind of had to get used to it it yeah. was pretty new for me because that's not that hasn't always been a part of your game right? yeah for sure um, but it is now and mm-hmm. I, a little bit more off the field as well because you had you graduated in three and a half years you graduated last mm-hmm. december yeah uh, i know in talking to you that the plan was three and a half years and then you'd be off to you know get ready for the for mm-hmm. the nfl obviously the, the knee injury impacted that a little bit but what has the last i guess I'm assuming you're in grad school. Mm-hmm. What's that been like? And have you had more time to maybe commit to even more football? Right. Um, or is it more? Is it even more intense school? It's it's not as intense. I would say is is more reading. You have to learn how to truly read the material. But it's definitely been fun. It's been fun. It's a new environment. It's a different environment than undergrad. You know, you got people that's asking you about their kids. You know, <laughs> about about like what advice would I give their kids, you know, or I would give my younger self. So it's definitely a different environment. I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. It's, it's been really fun for me. Um, and, and because you are you have a goal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're, we talked about it last winter. What is that goal? Mm-hmm. You want to be a? AD. AD. Athletic director. It's like Coach A. <laughs> <laughs> have you talked to him at all? Yeah, I've talked to him about it a couple of times. And what have what's the feedback been there? I mean, talking to him and, like, McIntosh, uh, they kind of just said to keep going. Uh, and, and don't stop, you know. He told me that the trend is kind of moving away from, like, legendary coaches or, like, a, a, a winning coach and then just kind of being um, altered into being the AD. It's more so going down the administrative track. Right. Which I don't necessarily know if that's something I would want to do, like, immediately. I definitely, I definitely know I'm going to want to coach yeah. at some point. So I know this, like, hunger for football is not going to just end for at sure. all. Yeah. Um, even my body wants it to end. But, you know, whenever I guess I get a little tired of that, then I'll try to go down the administrative path. Because of what happened uh, with, with your older brother mm-hmm. um, having to give up football, do you want to push it as far as you possibly can then? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, even if your body maybe doesn't Yeah, even if it. my body doesn't want it, I'm going to push it as far as I can. I love football yeah. with everything in me, so – it's going to take everybody telling me no. It's going to take everybody telling me no for me to stop. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned before we came on the air some of the young guys that you watched on their recruiting visits and mm-hmm. they're now here working out. Who are some of the guys that stood out to you? Um, like uh, Goose, Rashad Wild Goose. Yeah, he's in- It's just funny remembering him, how goofy he was on his, uh, on his trip. And then kind of him now, even the maturity that he had from last summer to this summer. Uh, you can see him kind of owning up and working on his little technique. You can see him coming in later and, sh- and sticking uh, to it. You know, um, Reggie's another guy. Oh, shoot, the I list thought, goes on I thought he on. was impressive in the spring. Yeah, some yeah, of, very big, impressive. Some of the big hits he had. Oh, yeah, very impressive, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, those, those those two stood out. And then another guy that that's at your position group, um, John Chanel, some of the big hits that he Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Excuse, uh, Leo, yeah. Leo Chanel. Yeah, Leo. Uh, stood out. What? 
can you imagine a guy looking like that coming in? And I mean, you're, you're talking about yeah. you physically. Right. He looks like he's a fifth-year senior. Yeah, no, nah, I've never seen anything like that. I've never, <laughs> maybe Leon. I think maybe Leon might that's have came true, in like true. that, but he's, yeah, I've he, never seen something like that. And, can, and it's not just that look. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's kind of got an ability that he's going to be able to help you this fall. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. He definitely should. Um, everything's there, you know, should have a good camp, and then, and then we see how the – how we go going into the season, but I definitely see him helping us a lot. I think you have a lot of experience coming back in the secondary. Obviously, there's Dakota, but you have a mm-hmm. lot of experience coming back in the secondary. You have uh, Garrett coming back in, mm-hmm. along the defensive line to get Isaiah back potentially healthy, mm-hmm. you know, for a full year. So you feel good about that. You and uh, whether it's you know, Jack Sanborn or whoever it is next to you, right. the outside linebacker spot outside of Zach Bond, there's a lot of unknown there, right? Mm-hmm. Who are who do you envision stepping up and being those guys that, right. that can be the next? Not the next T.J. Water, anything right. like that, but just be the next guy. The next guys. Yeah. Um, I see all of them, to be honest. I can see the potential in all of them. Um, they all working every day. I know I like personally work out with Isaiah Green May almost every day. You know, we kind of partner up, and I'm pushing him, and he's pushing me, and I'm I'm loving it. You know, it's, it's taking my game to a new level. And hopefully, I'm pushing him to a new limit that he didn't know he had as well. But I see all of them. I see the hunger in all of them. They all do. Um, Pretty much different things really well. Sure. But, you know, we'll, we'll just see who compliments, you know, Zach or the defense the best. But I'm excited. I'm going to have confidence whoever they um, start. So would you agree the defense took a step back last year from the from the previous year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is, yeah is that fair saying? Yeah, just, yeah, it's fair saying okay. that. I mean, you can see that. Okay. You can pretty much see that. Do you expect – obviously you expect a bounce back. What is what is it going to take to be that, that bounce back and get back into what you guys had been, you know, for the five years prior to that? Uh, attitude, attitude. I know a lot of people don't say like, "Oh, Wisconsin's known for defense," but we really are. You well, know, I mean, we, that five-year stretch, you exactly. and Alabama were the best, you know, numbers-wise, the best in the country. Exactly. And, and last year, obviously, it, it slid off. Exactly. So it's 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 an attitude, an attitude adjustment that you know we definitely gonna bring. You know, especially starting from day one of camp until the end of the season, people are gonna feel us. <laughs> They're okay. gonna know you played a Wisconsin defense. All right. Hey, uh, Chris Orr, thank you very much. No problem. Yeah, we do bring in Wisconsin center Tyler Biotich here on the camp. Tyler, how's it going? Great. I'm doing good. Summer's going well. So yep. you obviously did miss spring ball because you had coming off the surgery. How are you feeling? How's the hip? Uh, great. Uh, hip's great. Um, all cleared and ready to go. So you're going to be good to go when fall camp opens yep. up? What, we yep. got about two weeks before yep. fall camp? Two gets, weeks. Yeah. Yep. Um, first. Yeah. So uh, going back, and I think we kind of talked about it, but I'd like to review it. Uh, we talked about it in the spring. The decision to come back, mm-hmm. uh, you had a decision to make. I know I, I think we were all a little bit surprised in terms of the grade that you got. Uh, they told you it was a come-back-to-school grade when mm-hmm. you were considered by many to be the top center in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, how close did that have an impact on it, and how close did you uh, come to, to saying, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head to the pros? Um, I just think, like, uh, it just wasn't the right time. Um, you know, I, I wasn't I – didn't, I felt like I, I didn't – I wasn't done here. Um, I really wanted to win a championship here um, and win a Big Ten. You know, you're, you're getting so close to getting that and, you know, coming off that season. And, and it just wasn't right for me, um, obviously, with my hip and everything like that. So, um, you know, I, I'm i not um, indifferent about my decision. I think it was a very good decision for me and my health and, and especially for the team. I, lo- I love playing here at Wisconsin, and, and I'm, I want to compete for a national championship. So. For sure. And, you know, 
the season last year didn't go the way anybody wanted it to, obviously. The end result wasn't where it wanted to be. But you end up losing three guys to the NFL. Another one has to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're going to be breaking in a bunch of new guys on that on that line. It's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge for you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Cole played a lot of snaps. Of course. And yep. Brust, uh, Logan Brust played a lot of snaps as well after uh, Dave, Dave had his injury. So I think, you know, Jason Airman played in 2017 as well. Um, and we got some guys coming up that I know you guys don't know much about, but I, I'm excited for you guys to know them. Um, they're really great, well, they're really gonna, great workers. So. When, you, when you say that, you're going to have to actually tell me about them then because uh, <laughs> obviously obviously there are uh, young bodies, so whether, yeah. whether it's Tyler Beach, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Beach, Logan, you know, Logan Brown, like th- some yep. of these new names that, that mm-hmm. uh, haven't necessarily played, but were, you know, highly recruited kids coming in. Yeah, yeah, we got we got a number of them. We got like Beach, uh, Seltzner, Mormon, Urban, who else we got? Uh, okay, we, uh, Caden Lyles, obviously. Yep, Caden Lyles, who, yeah. He was on yeah. defense last yep. year, now yeah, he's he back j- on yeah, offense. Yeah, he switched over. He's doing really great by the switch over, too. Even in uh, bull prep, I think, uh, he had a he had a couple practices where you're like, oh, he's back. Like, it's ready to go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, all those guys, they're, they're doing really well. Um, I'm excited for them, you know. And whatever group we got out there, it's going to be a great group of guys. Um, even this offseason has been a hell of a time. Um, just, like, working with them and, like, bonding with them, break, breaking in that, that new group, essentially, you know. And, and and it's really fun to do, um, you know, building connections. It's one of my, you know, hobbies of just playing football <laughs> with the guys and being right. there with them, you know. So Yeah. And that's that's the interesting thing because the offensive line, more than any other group on the field, is is all about teamwork and, mm-hmm. and growing together. And you know, the group that just left was together for so long. I mean, Dieter played four years, mm-hmm. uh, Vensal played for four years, Dave was out there for three. Mm-hmm. You know, just in terms of playing, actually playing football, and Dietzen as yeah. well. I asked Bo about Bo Vensal after the bowl game. You know, when they came in in 2015 and they started playing, the line wasn't very good. It had it had fallen off to mm-hmm. non-Wisconsin standards and they raised it back up to what it needs to be and what it should be. Mm-hmm. And I asked him if the group that's fallen, that's behind can keep it that way. And he said, no doubt in his mind, this is in his words, yeah. we're not going back to 2015. Yeah. Do you feel that? Yeah, I 100% feel that. 100% you know, with them on it. I don't think they're you know, we have such hard workers that I don't think there should be a drop off at all. And um, I think we always can get better, even like the year before I thought even though we have three guys who went to the NFL and you know, unfortunately one retired, I think you know we can we can raise the bar even more. I think you know, and that goes with a lot of communication, a lot of work, um, a lot of downtime that we have to spend together just to get, build that bond of you know how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. But I think you know, with the group we got, I'm really excited with, and you know I can't wait to get out there with them. Uh, with uh, in terms of trying to find guys right now, obviously Cole. You know, it seems locked in at left tackle, and you're locked in at center. During the summer, do you guys work lineups, or is it, or is it more just technique and uh, you know lifting and getting put through the ringer with uh, with Coach Kalaji and having to do all that type of stuff, or is it is there football aspects to it? Yeah, I think uh, you know our Coach Rudolph does a good job of just rotating us in. Um, yeah, obviously me and Cole are probably locked in, you know, at our spots, obviously, but. Um, I think he does a good job of just rotating and other people to see where, like, this may look like this or whatever it may look like. Uh, he does a good job of rotating us all in and uh, seeing which is the best fit. But, obviously, you're not going to know until the first game. So. Yeah. And, 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 obviously, the injuries last year impacted pretty much everybody across the line. You know, mm-hmm. everyone was dealing with something, and that's what happens yeah. at the offensive line. Is it is it realistic to stay healthy as an line in the Big Ten? Or are you going to need <laughs> or are you going to need just not just your starting five, you're going to need six, seven, eight? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, in-season healthy is... You'd love something. to have it. Yeah. Well, in-season healthy, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but I, I think we have good depth, even if that happens. I think we do have good depth. Um, 
and that's where you know you love to work with them because you know that it's going to be a long season you know there's going to be you know injuries that happen that's the name of the game it's the nature of the beast you know so i think you know we have good depth um we'll be we'll be fine i think a guy I mentioned uh, earlier, very highly recruited, Logan Brown. I think he's the second highest recruited kid that's ever committed to Wisconsin. And I know you as somebody that was recruited as a defensive lineman doesn't really care about recruiting rankings, so yeah. I, I apologize for that. But just wondering your initial impressions of him. He's a really good kid. Um, he's humble. Um, all three of them that came in, they're, they're really good um, guys. They're willing to work. Uh, we just worked out with them yesterday and, and working on their sets and everything. And they're they're willing to work and and that's the thing you love about you know being a veteran guy and someone's coming in is that you know they're willing to work right away and they're they're up tempo and they're they're ready you know and that's the best thing you could probably ask for with with a kid like him and and, you know you were almost in the two deep you didn't had they allowed you to be able to perhaps burn your redshirt by playing Mm -hmm. a few few games you probably would have played as a true freshman is it is it tough to that that aspect of is it is it too much to ask of a guy to play as a true freshman um i think um, each position has its uh, difficulties. Um, center, I think, is a little bit more complex. For sure. But with his his position, I think um, you know he has to just work hard and get in the playbook. And you know he's been doing that, and you can see it. Um, you know I think it's difficult, yeah, but it's definitely doable. I think um, if you're willing to work and put in the hours and put in the time of just watching film and grinding and picking people's brain, like I pick the like, Dieter's brain all the time about. Like what is this supposed to look like, or what what is this going to happen if this happens? You know, so yeah. I think, um, you know, if he's willing to put in the work, yeah, I think it's definitely doable. It's definitely going to be a challenge for him, though. Team expectations are outside expectations are different mm-hmm. than obviously what you guys think about. Mm-hmm. And I was I was talking to Chris Orr earlier, and and I asked him about it. And he's like, oh, we don't listen to we don't listen to anybody outside noise, all that stuff. And then and then he's yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't if we don't hear it a yeah. little bit. It's different this time around. Mm-hmm. You guys aren't going to be getting you, know, you guys haven't gone over to uh, Red Robin and <laughs> having you know and having the big conversation yeah. and all that stuff. Um, it's different this time around. Do you like it being this way, where you're kind of under the radar and people aren't maybe putting the target on your back? Um, I think you know I don't really care. Okay. Um, to be honest with you, I just you know that was fun. You know. That was just what we did. We went to Red Robin. It wasn't like they were just taking pictures. It wasn't right. anything different. But then you were also on the on the cover of Sports yeah. Illustrated. That's, sure, that's different. You know, that's awesome to represent your school too. Sure, and all that stuff is great. I'm just yeah. wondering if if you know, it didn't put a little bit of a marketer back and people coming after you hard. And and they come after mm-hmm. you. You're Wisconsin. You're going to be at the, yeah. you're at the top of the West. You're going to have that anyways. But I feel like it feels different this time. And maybe maybe it doesn't feel different for you guys. Yeah, I think if you just have the mentality of coming out and proving your worth like last year you 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 wanted to prove that yeah you're at the top and this year i think you got to prove because you want to be you you know obviously you want to be the best so i think as long as you have that great mentality of just taking it game by game and practice by practice and day by day like you're gonna be okay um some of the other motivation i think has been pictures of the minnesota game did that does that serve as motivation or, yeah. is it, or is it just kind of a is it or do you think it's a little bit of a hokey thing? Yeah, I think every loss is motivation. Okay, to me. but are there pictures up of other losses? Yeah, but like from there are there. I mean, like because I I thought we heard in the spring that there's a picture of the like where the action oh, yeah. should be. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that do one is in there. Yeah. Do you do that for every game? No, it's, it's well. I think it's more resembles the rivalry in the uh, the sure. axe itself. Sure. So I think that's why that one sticks in there. Does it, does it, so all, all losses sting the same. Yeah. yeah I think that one means a little bit more. Sure. But I think you need to win each game. Of course. Um, obviously, get to where your goal is, and obviously the axe represents a little bit more. So I think, um, you know, 
I think that's a good reminder that we have each day when we walk past it that, you know, we got to get the ax back. Jonathan Taylor. Elk Engel called him the baddest dude in college football. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's he's awesome. He's a, the most humbling guy I've ever met, um, honestly. Uh, he's he's one of the most hardest workers. Um, you know, he's not a huge talker, but he leads by his actions, and those speak louder than any words can possibly can be um, said. So he's, uh, he's a grinder. He's willing to work. Uh, you know, how many carries he has each game, it's really unbelievable how he keeps going. Um, but, you know, we're blocking for him, man, and we're never going to stop. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Hey, certainly appreciate your time. Yeah. There he is, Tyler Bionich, Wisconsin Center. And that's going to do it for today's show. Going to have a lot more coming up tomorrow, uh, including interviews with uh, Wisconsin quarterback Jonathan Taylor and Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson. And uh, I've also had an opportunity to chat with Wisconsin State Journalist Jason Galloway and the Lincoln Journal stars Parker Gabriel uh, all about Nebraska as well. We'll hopefully have a few more interviews in there too. Until then, you've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone.